Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. So, Arnold Zuev, welcome to Footwork. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, first off, I got to take a moment to shout out Connor Gnellich for setting this in motion way back. And he wanted me to tell you that you are his idol. So you have big shoes to fill. And number two, news travels very quickly in Lubeck. Apparently, in Thailand, they don't play football tennis because he beats you very easily in football tennis every day. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't seem there's any truth I, to that. My friend, you can call him now during this podcast <laughs> and ask him what we just did. Like 30 minutes ago, or actually an hour ago, and ask him if he won any set today. Wow, he didn't. <laughs> so yeah, this I, is fake I leave news, it huh? Ah. This is big time. Wow. Big, time big time fake news. Amazing. Well, Connor, I'm disappointed in you, but I'm not surprised. So, <laughs> so our motto here at Footwork Arnold is make your own path, meaning um, follow your dreams, not being held to the normal route, the quote unquote normal route. And what does making your own path mean to you? Not listening to others, not listening to others, you know, just, um, I don't know, you know, actually, when you look at my, my life, um, at my career, when I was 21, people already told me you're too old, finish football, because they just look, they just look at guys like Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo or whatever, you know, and uh, they see these big careers and if you don't make it, but that, but that, uh, by that age, they tell you to stop, you know, and family, friends, many, many people told me, I don't know, just leave it. Um, so, yeah, following your, your own path is, means for me just not listening to others, just uh, do what you want to do as long. But again, you have to be realistic. If you have passion, if you are hard, if you are willing to pay the price for that path, go for it. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Absolutely. I think the, the mix of, passion but also being realistic i mean if you're not going to put the work in it's never it's never going to actually come is it yeah because look uh, i met so many people they they all want to be professional footballers professional fighters or whatever but the moment you actually have to do the work you don't find them anymore Mm. you know what i mean but they're always talking about it so man pursuing a professional career as an athlete means a lot of sacrifice as well if you're willing to to do it go for it don't mm. listen to anyone don't listen to anyone yeah 100 percent. i'd love to have a little bit of background on you on your family and just kind of you know how you made your way during your youth years in in football mm. so yeah um as we discussed before i was born in kazakhstan um my father is a russian my mother is german so when the soviet union fell apart Germans who lived in Russia they could return back to Germany okay because initially we um, like if we go a little bit back in, in my family history my grandfather he was captured by the Russians so wow. he was he was a captive captive mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, they moved the, he, they moved them and a thousand other Germans to Russia 
to do certain certain work mm-hmm. um and then yeah they they basically made the, their life there um and then like like i said once the soviet union fell apart they had the chance to get back to germany and my family took that took the chance came back to germany so um i grew up here didn't like football to be honest oh, really? i started with I started with karate. Actually, my mother, she hated football. And I was more of the mother's mother's son at the okay, beginning, yeah. you know. Mama's my boy. father was a... Yes, yes. <laughs> my father was a football fanatic. Huge Spartak Moscow fan. Okay. His dream was always for me to play there in the future. You know, he always pushed me to play football. But, you know, when you push kids, they don't want to do it. They mm-hmm. do the opposite. Mm-hmm. So, um, started off with karate. And then... Once I went to school, obviously everyone's playing football in school. No one is doing karate on the playground. <laughs> so that's how I got into the game. And uh, <laughs> that's how I got into the game. And, um, and then, yeah, started to, to play in a local youth club. And realized very, cl- very quickly that I had a lot of passion for it. And that I was a quick learner and people also realized that around me, you know. So after a year at my local team, I joined the best club in the city, which was um, John knows at Vfb Lübeck at that time. Um, yeah, went through the whole academy there until I was 19 years of age. And that was the first time I got in touch with agents. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you interrupt if I... If I no, um, no, keep going, keep going. I go into a wrong direction or something, yeah? <laughs> Um, we encourage that <laughs> okay okay <laughs> so yeah i i met my first agent with 19 years of age who um like i always uh what, once i started or once i start something i'm very fanatic you know not fanatic i'm very very passionate and i i blend everything else out i just work towards the goal and i knew very early in my life i want to become a professional footballer okay once I started with football, my dream, my dream and my target was professional football. Okay. Uh, and when I met this agent and this guy started to talk about clubs like Energy Cottbus, back then they played in second Bundesliga. Um, he talked about MSV Duisburg, all these big clubs. I can organize your tryouts there and so on and so on. You know, I started to dream even more and I started to work even harder. And he actually, he actually organized me a tryout at energy Cottbus back then mm-hmm. uh, I went there I think after five minutes the coach wanted to sign me okay I, it was crazy one of the best tryouts or one of the you, the dream you know you get yeah. the ball everything everything works you score very quickly and um, uh, they wanted to sign me I, I was there for three days everything was good um they wanted to see me a second time to confirm my, 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 my performance. I went there again. Everything was good. So I was, uh, they wanted me to move there in January. Okay. That was around the tryout was around September, October. In January, I had to move there because I was still playing for Falfe Lübeck under 19s, right? And then long story short, I don't know what happened because I was already, I was already in the squad. Right, even on transfer market, I was already listed at Energy Cottbus. January, I arrived there with my grandparents. They drove me there with all my stuff. I already said goodbye to everyone in Lübeck. Okay, 
I got goodbye gifts and all that stuff. Everyone wished me so much luck. I arrived at Cottbus, my friend. Listen to this. The school there tells me we don't know who you are. The school, because in 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 East Germany, all the all the big clubs they have like um, you you have the club, you have the school, and you live in a um, what do you call this um, dormitory internat dormitory right. Yeah. But if the school doesn't take you, the club the the club will not sign you. All three you, you need to get the school right. You need to get the, the place a place in the dormitory, and then you can play football there. Okay. So the school says, oh, we didn't get any paper, blah, blah, blah. And also they then, you know, we, we, we tried to figure out what the problem was. So apparently someone, the, either the secretary or whatever, or my agent didn't send, send all the necessary paperwork to, to the school. Now I'm standing there trying to figure out where, uh, how, I can, how I can fix the, the issue. I'm talking to the coach. The coach says, yes, you are in the team. You are in the team, but... You cannot get that dormitory spot, okay? So, uh, we we sent my my um, uh, my grades and all that stuff to the school. They checked my grades. They said, no, he's not good enough because this is elite elite school, okay? That you're not good enough to get in, into that school. So I was there for like one week, a little bit more. I was training with the team. Ended up not getting the school place. And not getting a dormitory spot. Oh my god! Had to go back to Germany, man. I was out and uh, to Germany to Lübeck. Yeah, I was hiding the first two weeks because I didn't want people to think that I'm bullshitting. You know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I just told everyone a story about Cottbus. Okay, so man. My old school didn't want to take me back because my grades were so bad at that time. I was at the gymnasium, you know. The you yeah. know gymnasium is like the, the highest level, right? Mm -hmm. But my my grades were so bad because I couldn't focus on school anymore. When I got that opportunity with Cottbus, I was so bad in school. I just focused on football. Okay, so my old school didn't take me back. Uh, we tried in other schools. Luckily, I found a local school not far from my house. Okay, I knew the 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 the, the principal there. He took me so I could finish the 10th grade. Okay. Wow. I finished the season at VfB Lübeck under 19. So they also took me back. And man, you see, I go back way too far, actually. But um, it, this is uh, why, why, why I'm telling you all this is uh, because after that season, then I, instead of playing under 19s, I went to a senior club already. Okay. Six. You know, my stepfather back then he told me, Arnold, uh, let's 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 skip the junior football. Let's just go back to uh, let's let's just go straight to to senior football. I think it will it will be better for your progress. So I joined a team here in Oberliga. Okay. Played a half year at that Oberliga club. Did very well. And from there, my agent, who I didn't spoke to for like four months or so, because I was so angry about the whole Cottbus thing. I, I, I blamed him for that, for that as well, you know. But after four months, he gave me a call. He said, Arnold, I have another opportunity for you, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, okay, what is it? He said, MSV Duisburg, okay, who was uh, in the second Bundesliga back then as well. So, yeah, I went there. 
I performed. I think that half year in the senior football really helped me to, to grow because when I, when I went there, I had a tryout with the under-19s and with the under-23s. And under-19s, I already felt like I'm one level above them, you know. Um, and so the club took me. I got a, a two-years contract there. And yeah, that's how I actually got then into, into senior football, yeah. Wow. So you thought Crazy. the jump from into Oberliga, even from U19 Bundesliga, jumping to men's Oberliga was actually a quicker way to improve yourself as a player. Actually, for Bilibek back then, they played in the Regionalliga, the okay. under-19s. Okay. But I really think, I really think it was very very important for my game yeah because it's a different man you know you see so many good footballers in the, in the in the youth system right once they have to make a step to the seniors many of them they they, they don't perform anymore mm. or they like they, 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 they can't make the jump really you know um so I, I i i think first of all it was not the highest level right it was just oberliga maybe if i would jump into a regionalliga club at that time who knows? I probably wouldn't get that much game time. Maybe not that not that much support from my teammates as well. I, I don't know because it's more competitive in mm -hmm. the Gunnarliga. You know, um, I think I just had a very good environment and um, and the fact that I was actually able to play every game over ninety minutes helped me a lot. Yeah, you know, I, like as mm -hmm. I was just gonna say, coming back to that that obstacle of uh, you know being told you couldn't come. For something that seems so out of your hands, I mean, like um, having all the paperwork ready, as we know, the German bureaucracy loves the paperwork. But how did you how did you deal with that mentally at such a young age to kind of come back from that? Was it a difficult process to to deal with this? It was a very hard time for sure, very hard. Like I said, um, I'm you know I. I really, um, what can I say? I'm a man of my word. So when I say something, you know, I want people to believe it straight away and not doubt what I say, mm. because I try to say the things as they are. Okay. So when I tell everyone, man, I'm going to Energy Cottbus, I, I'm going to sign a contract there. And then you return two weeks later back to your hometown, you know, how does it look like? Yeah. You know, and um, obviously it was a difficult time. Also, you just had this great opportunity. And now, and, and also one thing what I learned through that, if I would ever know that school would destroy a football opportunity for me, my friend, I would be the best student in the world. <laughs> I tell you that. <laughs> I, only, first of all, this and also... For example, I, I, I know many guys who moved to, to America, you know, got a scholarship. That is, that's also a very good and a nice opportunity, a great experience. Back then, no one was talking about that. But if someone would have told me, Arnold, there's an opportunity to go overseas if you have good grades and if you're a good footballer, man, I, trust me, I would focus way more on school back then. But my, my target was always, always, always football. So I just did what was necessary. Like just, just, I just, you know, every class, I just, um, I just made it through, but I was never doing anything extra for school. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm. So to, to answer your question, it was a very hard time, 
Um, but you know, hard times. What I found about found about found out about myself is I it, they make me more hungry. Mm. You know, I want I at that point I wanted to prove it even more to everyone that I that I can become a professional footballer. You know, mm. so. Yeah. And now, were you playing at, at the uh, in the first team at Duisburg at the time? No, I was playing uh, the first six months. I was still playing under 19s, but I was training with the under 23s. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, I was still I just I was I just turned 18 at that time, you know. Um, then I, like I said, I had another year contract. The second year, I played for the under 23s. And was training occasionally with the first team, but to be honest, I had uh, at Duisburg I was um, very injury. Uh, how prone. would you say that? Yeah, injury yeah. prone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I unfortunately I didn't make it to a professional over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you make the jump to men's Regionalliga, back to VfB Lübeck, right? I had a, a um, I went back to Strand first. Okay. That was the first club yeah. of Flank. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Because uh, I got injured at the end of my contract at Duisburg, and I needed a platform to show myself again. So I went to. I had a good good um, connection to Frank, you know, and uh, yeah, just just went there to play basically. And after a couple months, Fof Belubek knocked, knocked at the door and uh, offered me a contract. So, mm. yeah, from there I moved to Fof Belubek. Mm. So how important would you say it is for a young player, especially one who's coming off of an injury like you and in this young age of development, how important is it for them to, like, take games? Like, get a contract where you're going to... I mean, we always want to push ourselves, of course, but how important is it for them to make sure that they're playing, make sure that they're getting games? For me, it's vital. This is uh, the, the first advice I give young players now. You need to have an environment that is competitive, yes, but where your chances of playing are very high. Okay? Um, just looking at myself, you know, the first, until 25 of age, I, I never played more than maybe 15 games in a year. You know? And every injury is obviously also a setback again. You start from zero again. Um, yeah, we can talk about that. I did many mistakes as well, overload and all that stuff. But um, I think playing is the key for player development. You can train as much as you want, but you, you need to use all that skills that you train. You need to use them in the game, you know, and you need to get, you need to start to become comfortable doing them in the game. You know, in, in on training, when you're alone, when you do your 1v1 sessions or whatever, no one is watching you. So it's 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 more easy to do all that things. But when people are watching you, when there's also pressure from outside, you have to learn to become comfortable there, you know? So it's, it's very important for me. Now let's, t- let's dive into that. You, I mean, you had a, a lot of opportunities when you were younger, but then you said now until 25, you didn't play uh, really many games every season. What happened? I got injured. I got injured many times. You know, I, a couple of years ago, I didn't know what rest means. I didn't know what recovery means. I, I had the, you know, I had the Rocky Balboa mentality. More is more, you know, you have to mm-hmm. push. 
when you feel pain, you have to push through that pain. And um, that's obviously bullshit. I can tell you, we had a, um, a strength and conditioning coach at Duisburg back then. That's now, man, almost 11 years ago. He would come every Monday, okay? He was a, he was a strength and conditioning coach, but he was not with, uh, with the under 23s or the under 19s. No, he was for the whole club. So he did additional training sessions, okay? And he would do all the things that, is, that are normal today, like planks, uh, lunges and all that stuff, you know, uh, movement preps. He would do it back then. But I remember every Monday, no one wanted to do it. Mm. Everyone was just laughing. What is this shit? Why, what, why are we doing this? You know, this is bullshit. What is this yoga? You know, no one wanted to do it. Now, before I start training, I do it. I do this mm. kind of things, right? Of course. It's injury prevention. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know that kind of stuff before. Like I, I was just obsessed with training. I love training. Sometimes I would, I remember after games, after a bad game, I would come back home, fi find a hill and do some extra sprints. My friend, you just played 90 minutes, you know, <laughs> yep. you don't do sprints after a 90 minute game, but that was the mentality back then. And also if you, I had all, I always had friends who would also push push you you know so it was always very competitive everyone if you do 50 push-ups i need to do 51 you know mm -hmm. but if i do 51 you will do 52 so we would always push ourselves to the limit and never rest so that was the main issue uh for me um i think after the second time when i get got the um i got a how you call schambanentzündung inflammation of the pubis right yeah yeah like up in the groin yeah, yeah. right that's an injury coming from overload yeah so after the second time i got it once in duisburg and then the second time when i was playing for lübeck i started to dive into um the topic of recovery you know um injury prevention and all that stuff and from there you can you can see even if you open my transfer market now you can see slowly slowly i started to play more games and looking at the last two years for example i didn't miss any game nice you know, so yeah. So yeah, very I mean, nice. what what exactly did you change? Because we have a lot of young listeners out there who, I mean, myself was one of those players who just wanted to train, 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 train until I realized like you have to recover as well, and you also have to be ready for game day. You know, training is not just to train and show. Okay, I'm a I'm a mental beast. I keep going, I keep going. But then on game day, you're dead, and then you don't perform. Ultimately, we are that's training exactly to perform yeah. on game day, and that's the most important. It's not how much you can bench press in the gym or how much you could squat, but you have to be 100% ready on game day. And what you do then is what counts. Exactly. I, they called me, in Lübeck, they called me Trainingsweltmeister. Translated for, translated yeah. for, for, for the viewers. Yeah, like, like a, I was a the training master champion. of training. Yeah, yeah. Master training of champion. Training. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but on game day, like many guys that I used to play with before, they would always say, but on game day, he never he never showed what he was capable of. In training, he would kill everyone. Mm -hmm. But on game day, he couldn't perform. Yeah, of course. Because I was always pushing too hard. Like you right. said, you have to be ready for game day. The most important day of the week is game day. So everything you do is for the game. Now, um, what was the question? No, what, what exactly did you change? 
I mean, I know you finally understood because you kept getting injured for through these overload injuries, but what exactly did you change? And to this day, what do you do? Like this, these past two seasons, you haven't missed a game. Um, I changed my diet, for example. Started to look inside uh, nutrition, you know, um, tried many things. You know, I, I was vegan for, for a certain period. Um, tried to reduce, like I was vegan, then I started to eat meat, but then only like on certain days. Um, carb loading and all that stuff, you know, all that plays a big role as well. Um, so nutrition was one big factor. Then obviously um, movement preps, like get a good warm up before you start your training. When you are young, you don't really think about that. You know, you think you're invincible. You can just take the ball, maybe shoot or whatever without, without warming up. Um, but this is all very important. You need to prepare your muscles before you, before you do the work. Um, so strength and conditioning, obviously, right? But not, strength, but not going to the gym to look good. Yeah, this is just a byproduct. Yep. to feel good mm-hmm. to be prepared for the load and um, f- for what is necessary for, for the game of football you know this is why you should train so um, yeah strength and conditioning man I tried I tried many different things like for example now even now I, I'm still learning I'm improving now now I started to look inside uh, into the program of the knee over toes guy mm-hmm. you guys probably Classic. heard of him right yep. yeah 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 um, so I always try new things, but, uh, what I changed is I started to listen more to my body. And if I feel fatigue, this is probably the, the core message. Now, if you feel fatigue, give yourself rest. That doesn't mean like there are days where you have to push, even though you are fatigued. Right. But especially towards game day, always reduce the load, mm-hmm. always reduce the load. And after the game, obviously get a good recovery in. starts with nutrition good meal after after the game you know the next day also you have to you have to refill everything that you basically lost during the game right sauna um hot hot water cold cold water uh, immersions and all that stuff man it's not only one thing it's all you need to yeah, do it all and you have to do it for a long period you cannot just mm-hmm. do certain things for a month and expect results you know you have to yeah. do them constantly mm-hmm. absolutely you know. great messages about consistency there too so you spent a few years and uh, still after that in germany and different regionalliga teams and then back with stran so how were those years like and then why did you ultimately decide to uh to go to australia um yeah so after signing for for fourth belubek um I remember when I signed there, we actually got relegated to Oberliga because the, the club got into financial financial oh, yeah. problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So we had to go down, um, but uh, pr- got promoted the, the year after straight away, played probably the best the best season ever in, in the Schleswig-Holstein Liga. Um, got promoted. I extended my contract there because obviously, you know, everyone was hyped after the, the promotion. So I wanted to, I wanted to, to be part of this. Um, didn't get much game time back then for reasons. Uh, yeah. One of the reasons was, like I said, sometimes I just didn't perform on game day. 
but also there were just a couple of players in front of me. I mean, when I'm saying in front of me, um, that the coach preferred, okay? Not saying they were better than me, just the, the coach preferred this type of players, okay? So from there, I moved to, and you know, this is also funny. I, I'm saying the coach preferred this, ty this type of players, right? So I could, doesn't matter how much I pushed, doesn't matter how good I performed, I would always be the first one who got subbed off. For example, when I played, if the team was not performing, I was the first one who, who got subbed off, right? Then I moved to BV Kloppenburg, another Regionalliga club. And I was the guy who the coach loved, right? And there were other guys who could do whatever they want, but I would always be in front of them. I could be injured. The coach would do everything for me to play take painkillers, whatever, you are, you are my first option. So you see how in football also... Always need, changes. Need some happen, lucky. Yeah. Right, mm -hmm. right. Um, and then from there, I remember in Kloppenburg, I also talking about injuries also. Some injuries, obviously, you cannot like... Um, prevent. You can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, you can't prevent them. In Kloppenburg, for example, someone broke my, my, my toe. You know, I had a very good start into the season. Then I broke my toe. Uh, the doctor told me, oh, no, there's just the, the cup, capsule. Mm -hmm. The capsule is like just damaged. Joint. So yeah. nothing. You, yeah, you can just play. Mm. You know, so if, a, a missed uh, diagnosis. Yeah, yeah misdiagnosis. So because of that, because of that misdiagnosis, I lost, uh, I don't know, maybe six or seven games. I was playing with a broken toe for three games. Uh. Many painkillers. Obviously, didn't didn't team play very well, but as 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 good as I could. And then, uh, but I was still complaining about that pain. Went to a second doctor to get a second opinion. He told me, "My, you're playing with a broken toe." So then I had to rest. In, it's crazy, yeah. But it, yeah. this happens also. Sometimes All you always just happens, have. Uh, yeah. You have this this kind of doctors. You know, they don't have much time. They just have a quick look at you, and they just give you something. To yeah. get to the next patient, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so I missed uh, ma many games because of that. Had a not had not a very successful season there. Um, and what happened after Kloppenburg? After Kloppenburg, I returned to Flank. Yeah. Because he was building Obliga. a. Yeah, he was uh, again because I wanted to play. You know, mm -hmm. so uh, he built a good he built a good squad back then. He signed all these uh, Regionalliga players from the region and stuff. And our target was to get promoted. Man, after that year, we we didn't uh, we didn't get the we didn't get the promotion. I went on a tryout to Austria, Klagenfurt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, it didn't work out. I don't I don't want to go into detail. There was something. Um, with the club owner and the, and the agent who signed us there. So I didn't get there and just got frustrated, man. Yeah. First time in my life, I got frustrated with football because always something, you know, I had in, either injury or some politics. And then because this opportunity in Klagenf Klagenfurt, I really wanted, I really wanted to sign there. You know, there was a professional club. Now they play in the first division. You know, you could see back then this club has a target. They have all the facilities. Um, good environment didn't work out I got frustrated for the first time really mm. and also in that last training session 
something happened with my toe. I got an inflammation, couldn't train for like three months or something. Oh, shit. Okay. Again, this kind of injury that you can't prevent well, for whatever reason. I don't know what happened. Maybe I got a knock. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so it's funny. I don't know if I, John, if I told you that, but um, I actually signed up for the army. No, I didn't know this. Really? Okay. Dive into so, this. <laughs> so you were you were frustrated with with soccer with football and and you thought maybe I'd try the army. Man, at that stage, I didn't earn any money with football. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I didn't get into a professional level. I was like I said, I was always trying to get into professional football. Didn't work out, so I got frustrated. And I was thinking, okay, what can you do now? You are twenty five years old. You want to you want to buy a house, maybe you, you want to do something for your family. You know, my motivation was always to to make some money to become professional. First of all, because it's my passion, my dream, but also to give something back. You know, to the mm-hmm. people who supported you. So I was like, man, fuck it. I'm going to sign up for the, for the army. And as a footballer, you have a lot of benefits if you're a soldier. You know, you, you can still play for, for a Regionalliga club, for example. So you have two income sources, right? Um, the salary for a soldier is also very good. I would get an office job, right? So I just, I had a teammate who was doing that actually before at Strum. So... I signed up. I went through all the tests. I signed the, signed the contract for four years. Appointment date. I asked them, can you push it back? Um, can I start in six months? Because I want to do a, 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 I want to travel to Australia. You know, because something that I, ne- that I couldn't do in the past was traveling. Mm-hmm. Because you always, you finish your season, you maybe have three weeks off right and then you start the new season again the, the preseason. so I, I was never ever able to travel but i always had the dream to see the world and stuff you know what's reading books like the alchemist and so on you know right. it's all about it right, right up there. and uh, yeah. yeah i got two i actually have this one here and then i have connor gave me a german version that i am attempting to read oh, yeah? in german but i'm yes. reading this one from paulo coelho at the moment the pilgrimage ah it's a good one it's a good one. It's also about actually this one inspired him to write the alchemist. Okay. Yeah. So um anyways. So um mate, I booked a ticket. I booked a ticket to Australia. My plan was to be a backpacker. I just wanted to be free, do whatever I want, okay? So I remember one and a half months before. I was flying to Australia. I was just working in a, in a factory, Niederegger, you know, the famous marzipan mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. So every day, Monday to Friday from 5.45 until 3, I did, because I can't, I can't uh, without, without sports, right? So I did boxing in the afternoon, five times per week. And then on the weekends, I would also work um, with my mate who had a business, uh, you know, coffee bike. He was selling coffees with uh, like, uh, um, what do you call Like, uh, basically, it's a bike, but there's a coffee machine installed. Oh, yes. okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Just to save up money. And, uh, and then one and a half months later, after all that hustle, I went to Australia. I flew to Australia. And then I was just, I was just living the life of a backpacker, basically. I re- literally just had a backpack with me. I didn't 
take any football shoes with me or whatever. I just want, I didn't want to hear the word football. Right? Really, I was, I was, that was the first time in my life I was, I was done with football. Um, yeah, after one and a half months or so, I wanted to, to do a new experience, right? Started, uh, started a job at a uh, landscaping company, mm -hmm. right? Very good money over there for landscaping. Of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> so started the job there, met the owner of the company, Urge, Turkish guy, born in Australia. Now, you guys know Turkish people, they are football fanatics. I was working there for a week or so, and then, you know, I got a good relationship with him. He asked me, what did you do in Germany? I said, I was playing football. And he was like, yeah, show me a video. So I sent him my, my highlight clip uh, from the Times in Lübeck, and he was like, man, you are decent. Why don't you play football here? So I don't know. I didn't come, I didn't come to Australia to play football. He was like, okay, let me do something. So, okay. Urge, best guy ever. <laughs> best guy ever. Very inspirational. Shout out, shout out to Urge. Shout out to Urge. Five days later, I arrived at the, at the office. We would always meet up at the office, you know, all the workers. We had like a group of 50 people, let's say. And then Urge comes around the corner and he says, uh, Arnold, you finished today at 1, 1 p.m. Everyone's everyone turned around. Why is he finishing at one? He's a newbie, you know, what, what's wrong? And then he said, Arnold, come here, come here. Uh, I said, what's wrong? He said, you finish at one because I have a test game for you today. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, my friend, I don't even have football shoes. <laughs> I said, okay, you, you'll get yourself football shoes and, and you get to that game. You know, it was it was um, it was not the highest level in Australia, right? But he wanted to see me in the game, mm -hmm. and he sent someone there to have a look at me as well. Mm -hmm. So, man, I finished work at one. I bought myself some some football shoes. Went there. I literally I didn't play football for like four or five months. But you know, the first time after a long long layoff. Your your enthusiasm, you you're so on fire. The first time you touch the the you, you touch the ball, you know you you feel the grass. Man, I I don't know. This this club was already in preseason. They've been training for a while, but I scored I think two. I, I scored two goals and we won three two or something like that. And the guy who watched me there, he gave Urge very good feedback about me. So Urge was more confident to talk with other clubs. You know, long story short, I ended up signing in, in, in Richmond, uh, Richmond SC, German background. The club had a German background, Richmond, mm -hmm. Alemannia. Ah, okay. okay, nice. Man, and crazy, I don't know. One, <laughs> I, I just called the army. I said, guys, I, I got a new opportunity. <laughs> I, I want to cancel it. And this guy, he was so cool. You know, he said, man, I, to be honest, uh, I would also go for it. If oh, the, nice. the guy yeah. from, from the army, yeah. he said, you can always join the army later, you know, just do it and, um, and, and call us when you're back in Germany. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from initially, initially I had a flight a return ticket already. After four months, I was supposed to go back. Right. And I just, I just canceled everything. Stayed in Australia. 
And now I'm not living, now I'm away from home for like four years already. Imagine. I started from this. Man, it's crazy. I would stuck in Lübeck for four years. Yeah, thanks to Urge. Thanks to Urge, I'm telling you. Yeah. So that's, this is how I this is how I started to play football in Australia. Then after the season in Richmond, which was probably one of the best environments I ever had. Um, Richmond was a stately club. Okay, so you have A League, you have NPL one, NPL two, and then you have the State League. So it was on paper it was the fir- fourth division. But I'm telling you, our club was probably the best, the best team in, in the state. <laughs> because of us, they changed the rules to four visa players. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> because our president, uh, former, former president of Brisbane Ross, he took that club and he wanted to, to get promoted and he wanted to win the cup and, and all that stuff, you know. So he signed all these players from Brazil, from Germany. Everyone was minimum like Regionalliga level. Okay, wow. Okay. So because it was, uh, we killed every every team at the beginning of the season. We killed everyone. Even we had a cup game against MPL. We won there. In the league, we killed everyone. And then... Um, I believe we would get the promotion. We would have gotten the uh, the, the cup as well, most likely. But um, he started to delay payments with some of the foreigners. It was a weird structure. I don't know. Some of the boys got paid by one guy and the rest got paid by, by this president. And for whatever reason, he just started to put off the payments for one one part of, uh, for, for, for a few small group of the players. And players started to leave. You know, the environment changed a little bit. In the end, we didn't even get the didn't even get the promotion to MPL level, you know. Um, but from the start was amazing. Like honestly, the group of people we had, many of them are still my still very good friends. And um, and yeah, finished the season there, played well, got an offer from Bentley Greens, mm-hmm. maybe yeah, top three in MPL. And yeah. I mean, uh, one of the top three clubs in MPL. Yeah. And then Asia. Very cool. I mean, to, to, to hear that all this started from more or less a vacation in Australia and then having your highlight tape ready for a guy and then going and buying cleats that day is just insane. One of the coolest stories I've heard, too. Man, it's so funny. I'm telling you. Sometimes it's, it's, it's surreal, surreal yeah. sometimes. Because you know what I was also thinking? Just just one thing. I was like, this guy, I was working for him. I'm making yeah. money for him. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really appreciate him as a, as a person, you know. And uh, I learned a lot of lessons from him as well. But he just helped me, you know. He was like, why you work here, man? You can earn money with football. Play football. But I believe many other bosses would just would just say, I don't give a fuck about this guy. Just work for me, make money for me. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is what I really appreciated. And yeah. Yeah, you meet some good people in this game. There's a lot of politics, like you said, that there's there's few people who will stick their neck out for you, not ask for anything in return. Those are the those are the people who like help the people like us. Shouts mm. out to shouts, shouts out to him. But I would love to have just to pick your brain on the comparisons between um, these Australian leagues and then specifically Bentley Greens and kind of like 
what level you would place them in in say Germany for for people who who don't know the level so well I find it very hard to compare the leagues with each other to be honest different style of play too right different style of play different yeah different conditions um, I would place Bentley when when I was there I would place them in a very I mean again it's very very hard look the problem is it was not a professional club I, I mean officially on paper it was not professional okay um, but the club worked very professionally and the players who played there many of them used to play in the a league um, two or two two boys from that season signed in a league afterwards Valentino Yoel, for example a very very good player look I believe all of these players could easily play in Regionalliga and top five team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Regionalliga West, I would say, because I, I think Regionalliga West is probably the, the, best, the, the yeah. best level in Germany. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we as a team, we played very, very good football, you know, good, good in ball possession, good pace up front, um, very experienced squad, but it's very hard to compare it. I can give you, an, for example, I found it very competitive. Um, and I asked another player who used to play here in Germany's third division. Um, he played for Werder Bremen too. He played for VfB Oldenburg. No, I forgot his name. Mohamed Al... You can look him up. I, I will send you the profile after. But man, he played Belgium, first division. Aydara, more Aydara. Okay. Um, and, and he's now in Melbourne playing for Altona Magic. Because uh, his wife is from Australia, he got a child, and he's stuck in Australia now. Okay, man, and he told me the same thing. He said, "Arnold, if you look at the players, you will not find a player where you say like, wow, you know, this guy is individually amazing.' But the overall level, the physique, the the pace is good. It's very good. It's it's competitive, mm-hmm. you know. But it's very hard to compare." the teams with each other you know you have to you have to make it you have to organize a friendly game to see yeah who's mm-hmm. better or we should do better, that you know? we should really do these kinds of things i wish i would love to, to organize something like that yeah how did you um, how did you adapt to the playing style coming from germany there's certain ways the germans play or like to play especially when you're you're being taught these things so how did you adapt to to the style there um it wasn't so hard to adapt for me, to be honest. I was always uh, physically very strong as well. So for me, and I'm also very fast, you know, um, I, I like to run a lot. And for me, it was, you know, the football, actually, what I wanted to say is the football is very direct. So days, our team was the only club who really was able to hold the ball. But usually okay. it's like in the Premier League, actually. They play the, the English style. You win the ball, you try to get as fast as possible to the other side mm-hmm. to score a goal, you know? So it's, it's a lot of up and down, up and down. No, no team is really controlling the midfield or whatever. It's more like a very direct, di- direct way of, of football. Um, so for me, it, it wasn't really hard. I was just uh, the second year at Bentley. I was struggling because um, I was on tryout in Thailand before I signed at Bentley. And when I returned to Melbourne, um before signing at Bentley yeah uh I got sick and uh I remember even to my contract negotiations I went there with fever yeah 
signed there and and then for two weeks I was just in bed. I don't know, I got I caught something in, in maybe the first form of COVID or something. I yeah, I was gonna say this kind of collected. these kind of dates are starting to line up with the beginning of COVID. <laughs> oh man, maybe I was the first case of COVID. Yeah, you I were. don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, so I was struggling at the beginning, you know, to get in shape. I lost like seven kilograms. I couldn't eat. Damn. I was just sweating all day. So a crazy fever and cough. And so I was, I was, uh, yeah, in a bad condition at the start of the season. And then, and then it took me a while to get into it. But uh, usually, it 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 suits me the style that 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 style of football, you know. Mm. No. I think a big thing, I mean, we'll get to how you made the jump to Thailand, but being open and flexible to play in a new country if an opportunity comes. Some people are stuck in their heads. No, I only want to play in this country, in this league. And, you know, if the contract's not good enough, I'm not playing because the ego sometimes gets in the way. How do you, how have you developed this mindset to where you go to Australia just to live, working as a landscaper, and your boss sets up a trial, now you're playing professional there or full-time, and then now you make a jump to Thailand and it's on to the next one. I don't know. I was <laughs> really, don't, I was always like that. Can you, I, if you believe yeah. me or not, I was, when I was 15, I always like, I remember one guy told my mother to send me into a, um, how do you call this internat? A dormitory. Is it a, yeah? Yeah, where like many, yeah. many, yeah, kids are living so basically together and to, share to, a room. To, to, yeah, so basically to to play somewhere like for a Bundesliga club and just live there, live mm-hmm. away from home, you know? Yeah. Uh, or, and I, I was always for that, you know? Even when I was talking about Cottbus, I had an opportunity to sign at Sao Paulo as well. So I had two options, but I choose, and, and both clubs were playing in second Bundesliga. You know, mm-hmm. but I choose the other option. I wanted to get out of that comfort zone. I felt like if I leave the comfort zone, I will become an even better football player. That was always my feeling. I don't know where that comes from, to be honest. It, it, I was always like that. Um, and man, and also I'm just uh, curious, you know, I like to see new places. I like to see or to learn about uh, football in different countries, you know, I just, uh, and also, also I want, I, I'm a challenger. I like to challenge myself, you know, like you can, one guy told me in Australia once, I remember he wanted, he wanted me to sign for his club and I choose the Richmond opportunity. And he said something. I don't know if I can repeat it properly. Arnold, it's better to be the king of the village, but can you can you finish that sentence off? That's a saying. Like it's better to be the king of the village. Like basically, he said, play for us. You're gonna be the king here instead of moving to a club where it's more competitive and you're just yeah. gonna be one of many. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I I don't know. I was always I always wanted to ch- to to challenge myself. You can, mm. like so you can play regional league or not. Once you are in there, you can play there for the next t- 10 years, for example, right? But do you? I always felt like you, you, to become a better player, you need to get outside of the comfort zone and challenge yourself. Get inside an environment where, for me, for example, man, uh, in Richmond, we had a lot of international players. 
So it was very easy, the communication stuff. Everyone spoke like broken English, okay? Yeah, I mean, not broken, but with an accent and a very simple English. Mm-hmm. When I signed at Bentley, I was the only foreigner, okay? And then you have all these Aussie guys talking in an Australian slang. And um, so it, it's it's a new challenge, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. First of all, yeah. it's very, it was very hard to understand them. Secondly, also... Like if you want to express yourself, it's uh, it took time to get into it, you know. And I remember, for example, we had a meeting. Our coach was Johnny A. He was a he's now in the A League, you know. He was a very he was a professional, and he would set up all this. Sometimes we would just go to the cinema to watch a motivational movie, for example. And then the next day we would be in front before the training session. He would ask us what we learned from that mm. movie, okay. Arnold say something and then Arnold has to get up you know and speak <laughs> like in German no problem no yeah, problem yeah, but, but in English you know what I mean mm-hmm. so yeah you I, I got myself many I, I, I got in situations where I felt uncomfortable but eventually I became comfortable there mm-hmm. so my comfort zone got bigger you know mm-hmm. so and 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 I always like my, this is how I try to live. I try to do things that I'm maybe a little bit scared of. Yeah. Because I believe once I, once I've done them, my comfort zone is going to be much bigger, mm. you know? And uh, yeah. It's a fantastic lesson to pass on. I think it's so vital, especially if you're traveling abroad and you mentioned one of the reasons you kind of ventured into this path was one, obviously because it's your passion and two, you wanted to eventually give back to your family. Was it was it difficult to be so far away and kind of, did you ever feel helpless in that where it was like, I'm a bit separated from my family doing my own thing and they're here? Um, yeah, obviously, obviously. Like in Australia was probably the first time I've been away for such a long time. When I played in Duisburg, I had moments where I wasn't home for like three months maybe, okay? Um but three months and you know you can go home if you want. You just catch the train. But when you're in Australia, you can't just catch the airplane quickly, you know, and just see your family for a couple hours and then go back. No, it's not, not possible. Yeah? Um, so that was the first time I was away for a long time. Obviously, you start to miss family. You start to miss friends. Um, and I was actually being in... In those, I mean, after like four months, I really started to miss to miss everyone, and I was, you know, that was before that was the the point. Wait, what, what did I say? Yeah, I think around four months uh, before I signed for Richmond, I was really close to going to going back. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know why? Because I was still living in a hostel back then. And so you meet new people, but these people, they leave, they move on, they go to the next city or whatever, they are traveling. So you meet some nice people, they move, they, they, they leave you. You meet the, the next good people, they leave you again. But you're the only one who's staying there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point, uh, yeah, I, I, really, I really started to feel a little bit lonely. But on the other hand, then I also got a realization, man, all these people are leaving, but it gives you the chance to meet new people, to meet new people, you know, make new experiences. 
And when I got that realization, to be honest, even being away from home and all that stuff wasn't, was way easier afterwards. Um, yeah. yeah. And you get used to it after a while. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and also meeting all of these new people, I guess, presents opportunities for connections too. Like you never know who you're going to meet, who can help you or who you can help. So, I mean, how important would you say that is to players when they go abroad or even just in a new city or something to connect, to, to reach out to people, to try and build relationships because you never know how you can mutually help each other. Well, very, very important. Very important, especially in football. Football is such a small world, man. I tell you that. Now you, you say that, like, I met one guy in a the, in the gym in, my hotel, in, in our hostel back then, you know, an American guy. He was there to play football as well. I met him maybe once or twice. We just had a, we, we've been training together, you know, this, uh, in, in, in the gym, talking with each other, talking about his plans, about my plans. And then I never saw him again. Two years later, one guy from Thailand, a boy that I was looking after, sends me a selfie with this guy. I'm like, what the hell, man? How small <laughs> is this world? Where did you meet each other? Somewhere in Bangkok, on a random football field, these guys meet each other, train together, and then the American guy asks ask him, uh, how, how did you get to Thailand? And this boy says, yeah, Arnold, he brought me here. This guy, Arnold? That's Which crazy. Arnold? Man, they, he shows him a picture of me and he said, man, I met him in, in, in Australia. <laughs> That's uh, unreal, in a fucking man. Awesome That's crazy. Trust me, football world is so small. So yeah. it's always good to connect people because this person, the person that you meet, knows someone who knows someone who knows someone. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know? And this, maybe not the first one helps you, the second one maybe doesn't help you, helps you, but the third person can potentially help you or connect you to someone who can help you. So, man, football, is, is, is crazy. I was even with Andrea and Hades the other day, John, mm -hmm. John's teammates, okay? And, uh, and, and then Andrea says, I'm, I'm from Fillingen. I said, Fillingen? Ah, so you know Allah? You said, oh, how, how do you know Allah? I was never in my life in, in Fillingen. But through some connection, oh, I man. met this guy Allah, you know, and now I'm sitting with someone who is very close with this guy, Allah, you know, it's Andrea. So it's, it's crazy, man. Everyone, maybe you're always somehow connected. Yeah. So it's, it's very important to, to build that network. Yeah. Hmm. And then you, you make the jump from Australia and you go over to Thailand. I mean, was it a matter of you were too comfortable in Australia and you wanted something new? No, in Australia, um, I left Australia because I uh, wanted to get inside a professional environment. Mm -hmm. That was the, the main reason. Secondly, if you don't play A-League, you don't get much, uh, much attention from fans. Yeah. Um, and then, let's be honest, now during COVID, COVID, everyone realized how bad football is without fans, yeah. right? You want to play in front of crowds and... Um, and yeah, mainly I wanted to become a professional and, and, and I just heard good things about uh, the football culture in Thailand and that the people are so passionate about football. And that's why, uh, yeah, through a few contacts, uh, I got to, to Thailand, yeah. And how was that adapting to the, I mean, first off, the insane heat and humidity? It's uh, a, bit, a bit different than Schleswig-Holstein 
cold and rainy. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, uh, man, it takes you a while. Like uh, I was training every day, sometimes twice. I thought I'm super fit. I got there and uh, I remember the agent that I was working with back then, he sent me on tryout after like three days. I felt like I've, I didn't train in Germany, you know? I felt like I just come from from uh, off-season, you know, mm-hmm. doing nothing the, the weeks before. Um, so you're, you're sweating completely differently there. You know, you lose too much, too much salt at the beginning. So after a couple... Like after like 20, 30 minutes, you just gas out, you know. Um, but yeah, everything is about adaptation. So 10, I don't know, you need at least like 10, 10 to 20 days to get used to it. Mm-hmm. And um, But I believe the whole adaptation takes takes even longer. Yeah, like you, you learn how to, your body learns how to sweat differently. Yeah, you start to feel much better after 10 to 20 days. But the whole adaptation, the food and all that stuff, you know, and um, environmental environment, and everything together takes, I think, a couple months mm-hmm. until you really get used to, 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 to Thailand, right? To that environment. Yeah. Mm. And then, um, I mean, you've had two successful seasons now there uh, with Udon Taini. The level of play, or not the level of play, but also the style of play. How is that? How is that adjustment from Germany to Australia and now to Thailand? Because I'm sure the heat plays a part into how teams can play. Definitely, yeah. I, actually, I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't pay much attention to the heat anymore after a while. You know, yeah. after a while, mm-hmm. you just don't think about it anymore. It's just normal. Um, but. <sighs> No, actually, I, I I don't think you I don't think you are you you change your style of, of football um, to the heat. I don't think I did that, not not uh, consciously at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are, you you maybe change the way you play a little bit. I mean, in terms of. Um, uh, the, the clubs or the people just expect different football from foreigners. You have to take the game more to you. You know, you have right. to do something to create yeah. something. You have to score a goal. You have to make that assist. You know, it's more no more pressure on you. This is definitely something that you that you have to change when you're in Asia, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Unless you have a unless you have a uh, foreigner coach, maybe you know a European coach. Um, but if, especially if, if you have ties, Thai coaches, man, you have to, you really have to take the ball and do something, do something with the ball. You know, mm-hmm. you have to be the guy. It's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it like uh, in language there? Mm. Yeah, they, 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 they most speak Thai. Uh, some some Thais speak uh, broken English. Again, it depends where you play. Actually, if you play in Bangkok, most players they speak they speak English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I was playing in in Udon. That's like northeast of Thailand. Um, you had a, you had a couple of players that just couldn't communicate. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you communicate with your hands, with maybe a few words, few words in Thai, few words in in English, because my Thai is also not the best. Mm-hmm. 
um, or you have someone who is just translating for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Now you mentioned, um, this was a few months ago when I first reached out that you had a crazy story that you were saving for the pod. I don't know if is this, uh, is this podcast worthy or is this off air content? I don't even know if you remember, I have no context with this. <laughs> Man, the whole season was just crazy. The whole season was crazy. So the story that I think I wanted to, to share with you is um, I got to Udon Tani through my girlfriend. Okay. My girlfriend is an agent in Thailand. Oh, really? Wow. Actually, a very successful agent. That's amazing. Okay. Uh, I met her by coincidence. And uh, to be honest, I, when we met, we just connected with, like, it felt right from the start, but I, like, I, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to think that I just connected with her because I wanted uh, her to organize me a football club Uh, or whatever, you know what I mean? So. Um, obviously then when we had the relationship, I, I, because I still had another agent, even when I was dating her. And then I don't know if I, I think we didn't mention that before, but I was playing for a Thai league three club at the beginning, North Bangkok FC. Okay. I signed there first. And then after two games, they canceled the season due to COVID. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I went back to Germany and, um, I couldn't go back to the uh, to the country. You know, I, I mean, I couldn't go back to Thailand. The, the borders were shut. Mm. Uh, and my girlfriend came to Germany. She was able to come here. We spent some time here. And through her contacts, he got, uh, she got me inside the country. Because um, she had a good, she had a very good connection with a club called Utaitani. Okay. Um, and the president there, he was... He was like her partner. So they, they've been working together in the past. He sent me an invitation letter. So they got me a work permit and all that stuff. So through this contact, I actually got inside the, inside the country. And the plan was to sign me for the second half of the season. You know, somewhere. So I didn't have a club yet. So mm. this club, Utaitani, for example, would p- probably be a club that I would try, uh, try out with. Um, there were a couple options, but I didn't have anything concrete. But it was just important to get back inside the country because the chance to sign at that time was way higher than when the, the countries opened because then they, they could just bring players in easily. Okay, So through her contact, I got inside. I was there for 14 days in quarantine. She left back to Thailand a couple of days before me. And she left the quarantine hotel, like, let's say, four or five days before me. And then while I was sitting there, isolated, she just told me, I have good news. I have good news. I was thinking, okay, maybe she, has a, she, she found a club for me. I get out of the quarantine hotel. She tells me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a club. I'm going to become a president <laughs> of my hometown team, Udon Tani. <laughs> I said, no way. She said, yes, with this guy from Utaitani. That's two different ah, clubs. Okay? Different clubs. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. But this guy, he wanted to be involved in Udon Tani as well. Okay. Because Udon Tani is 
great potential okay huge fan base and stuff i'm like really because she was just an agent she she was never working as a president or something like that okay but here she got the opportunity to to become the president of udon Tan together with this other guy he would he, he would not be officially in the club but he would like help in the background okay with finances and all that stuff man now what i i told you guys before i'm I'm a guy who, who likes challenges and stuff, and I want to earn something. I don't want anything just gifted to me, okay? So she said, she, I want to sign you at our club. But I was like, no, I don't want to. Because I, I, I swear for myself, I don't want to sign somewhere just because of, the, of that contact, because mm -hmm. of her, you know what I mean? Um, and, I, and I really didn't want to do it, but she also brought a German coach there. Jörg Steinerbrunner. And one Brazilian guy, so they had already three foreigners, but one of them, last minute, he got an offer. Okay. I was just training with Udon, but I was looking for other opportunities. And they mm -hmm. and, and also, like I said, they had they had three guys on contract. But one of these guys, Paulo, he got a better offer in another club. So he asked the club to cancel the contract. And move there. So there was one spot free. And I said to this guy, Jörg, because I, I had a chat with him. I said, look, um, because he knew he was the only one who knew about my relationship with, uh, with, uh, with, with my girlfriend. Okay. So everyone else didn't know she's the president and I'm the player. Okay. I said to him, look, you only, you have other options. You have other players. That, that, could, that you could potentially sign. You take the best player for the team. You don't take me just because of this. Because I'm, because I'm, I'm with the president of the club. No, you don't take me for this. I, I, because I, I, I will not accept that. Okay? So I ended up hang, having a, a game with them. Because it was still... Actually, you know what, they, what happened there? They pushed the season back one month because uh, there, there was like a, a second wave you know they wanted to see what happened so they pushed the league back uh, one, one month back and we had a couple test games he invited some other players and i did i did well in that in that games so he decided to take me i didn't want to be in that position but i got in that position okay and you know for me in my in that in that situation i because I knew one day maybe it will come out. Maybe people will find out that I'm with, with, with the president of the club. Okay. So I wanted to make sure that when someone finds out in the future, I want to be the best player in the team. So no one will mm -hmm. say Arnold yeah. is what in the club because yeah. of her, you know? Because mm -hmm. I also remember when I signed, there were some, some, some comments, you know, so, some people commented, who is this guy? small CV. I told John the other day, I'm one of the smallest, I have one of the smallest uh, CVs in the division. The other guy is, they come from professional clubs and stuff, you know. And um, man, I ended up being in there because of her. And I'm re I really appreciate that because for her, it's actually also big risk, right? Because to be honest, she didn't even see me playing before mm. when, she, when she had that idea to take me there. But um, 
yeah, then like I said, I proved myself in the test games. Jörg, Jörg uh, took me on board. And as you see, luckily, I, uh, I really performed well, you know, because like in the end, a couple months ago, people found out that I'm, that I'm with her. But at that time, they respected me already, mm-hmm. you know. And so it wasn't, it wasn't a big issue. And I also like, man, it was a crazy, it was a crazy year because uh, I was player on one hand. But on the other hand, I was always involved in, in, in some other things, you know, like marketing, sponsor, sponsoring and stuff. You know, I, I, I saw football from the other side as well, from the management part. You know, I was involved in everything what was happening in that club, everything. And I did much more than a usual football player would do, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was it was tough because when the club was struggling financially or whatever, I knew, I knew every detail. I knew everything. The players didn't know anything, right? Apart from two, I shared, the, I shared this only with two players. They, they, are my very, they are now my very close friends, you know, because I felt like they deserve to know a little bit more about what's going on in the club, you know? Um, but apart from that, man, I, like I said, I was playing. And I was and I was helping. For example, the first half season, like when when I signed there, I told you I signed in the in the second transfer window, right? I played the half half of that season. We almost got relegated. Saved the club in the last game. Last game we won. That's why we stayed in the league. Mm-hmm. And squad planning. I was involved. The wow. second year. Wow. <laughs> and. And man, you can see the results in the first half of the season. We've been on the top. Oh. We've been on the top. I got. Love that. I, I could uh, like, there was me, there was Jörg, there was my uh, uh, my my girlfriend's name's Aris. Okay, so she she obviously through her connections she she found many players right. Jörg through his experience he was uh, he was um, working in in Asia for many years. We had one other agent who proposed players as well, but the decision making was me, Jörg, and Aris in the end of the day. Crazy. You know? What a learning experience though. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Man, a learning experience. And to be Stressful. honest, you will not find that anywhere in the world. Where in the world have you heard that ever I haven't. before? No, I haven't. Man, it's one of crazy. a kind. Um yeah, but like I said, man, it's uh, sometimes, I, I don't know. I think my performance was good because I was involved, because I felt like I'm not only a player, I'm part of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, also, the reputation of my girlfriend is on the line. You know, if something doesn't, if, if we don't perform, you know, you know, they shit on the coach, they shit on the management, they shit on the, on the president. So I, I think I performed well because i knew i'm i'm fighting for something bigger you know but on the other hand i also think maybe i could perform way better if i would not have all that headache <laughs> yeah. the football yeah. field yeah, so yeah. it's it's crazy man but mm-hmm. definitely a very a, a great learning experience now i think it will open me doors in the future also like uh, maybe getting a sports director role in the future mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that you know because i i've i've, I've done 
I've done many things at that club now that, um, yeah, that will probably help me, yeah. help me for the future. Yeah. I want to dive into that mentality side of it, because like you said, you had all this extra pressure in your head. Um, and I experienced it a bit in Mongolia where the foreigners have to perform. There's no, there's no excuses. You basically, the team is relying on the foreigners to perform. Now, how do you adapt mentally in a game when you miss a big chance or you fail to execute in a vital moment? How do you keep going and not let these, these moments bring you down? And this pressure, you know, crumble you. Mm. Ah, I don't know. I don't know how to d describe it. Um, in, because in Udon, actually, I was lucky. I had a very good start and uh, I never really dropped my performance. You know, I remember the, the, I was struggling a little bit at North Bangkok when I signed in this Thai Division 3 club, you know, they had very high expectations back then. And uh, I, I, I signed that preseason. So we had many, many test games, a lot of training. And sometimes you, you know, the, the coach there, he was just uh, crazy about fitness. So there was so much running involved. And, and I, like I said, I don't mind hard work, but it was just too much. It was always overload. So my performances were always like sometimes good, sometimes bad, you know, nothing spe or nothing special. Let's put it that mm -hmm. way. And then there were a couple of games where I didn't score. And I remember even the, like the coach was looking differently at you when you arrive, you know, the way they shake your hand, the, the way they look at you is just changes. Then uh, the, the players, the young players, they also start to not disrespect you, but you can see they don't have as much respect as in the beginning. Then you score a goal. Everything more comes yeah 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 then you have a couple then again the next week the, the the next game you don't score and and you could see and there it was extreme because sometimes he would even mention that i'm the highest paid player wow in the changing room in front of everyone wow you know and i remember after that the next training session i i told him man we have to talk you cannot do that my my contract is nothing it's, it's, it's like this is my privacy this is what i negotiate with the club you don't have to speak about anything uh about any numbers or whatever with the players what do you expect now you mm -hmm. know what i mean because there are some players also the other other foreigners you know what i mean one mm -hmm. of the guys played there for three years and now arnold is coming along is earning more money than me yeah how is he feeling you know it can create problems yeah. of course yes um but I just, man, every time I was struggling, actually there was a time at, at Udon, I remember five games in a row, I didn't score, I didn't make an assist and we lost. That was the, the first half, you know, when I signed there, I mean, when we almost got relegated and there was a lot of pressure from outside. Um, I just went back to the basics, you know, I just started to do the extra work. I just started to do simple exercises, let's say, someone would just pass me the ball and I would shoot from five to six meters and put the ball inside the net just to get that feeling of scoring again, you know, just easy, easy drills where you score, where you score, where you get that confidence back. And I, I would, I find myself, um, like every time I'm struggling with something, I just go back to work. I just do what I'm not good at at the moment. And that's where, way I believe you get your confidence then, you know, mm. obviously, like I said, in training, doing it in training without people judging you, without people 
uh, like yelling or whatever, it's always easier. But first you do it there. And then in the game, I just try to switch off everything around me. You know, just stay, stay in the zone. I started to meditate. Actually, one thing maybe, I started to meditate before the games. Every time you walk on the field in Thailand, they play the national anthem of Thailand. The team is going probably, uh, they played for a minute or so, okay? They, they honor the, the king there. Everyone has to get up, you know, they show an image of the king and then everyone is just standing up, listening to that anthem. That's the time where I close my eyes and I just tell myself some, some positive things, you know, like I, I pray first of all for a safe game. So, I mean, so, so for, for in, in no, no injuries for myself, for my teammates, for, for the opponent. And then I just repeat certain things to myself. It's not always the same. It, it changes, you know, but I mm -hmm. just, th that way I'm in the zone. Yeah. When I started to do that, I, I don't know. I felt like what was th the noise that was coming from outside, it couldn't affect me anymore. Yeah. Brilliant. Love that. Love that. Um, such a great time to do it too, right before and just having that click on, okay, when it starts, like this is when I'm going to repeat these positive images and I'm sure and, and words too. So great, great advice for everyone out there. We're going to head into our fast feet round, which is some, some quick questions to end with. Um, so the first one we'll start with is your favorite player growing up and now. Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho, I love that. Ronaldinho just... is my favorite player. Um, and now? <laughs> wow. Conor Gnelli. <laughs> Conor Gnelli, yeah. No, um, to, I don't know. Hard to say. I like, um, I think Messi. Yeah, okay, Messi. yeah, fair enough. Favorite moment in football? Myself? Yeah. My, 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 my... Your favorite moment in football? <laughs> there are many, but one, one moment that I can't forget is when I sub myself on at Lübeck. You subbed yourself Should I explain on. that? Yeah, please. I just... That was with the coach who, like I told you, he, he preferred other players and mm. other, other players yeah, in front of me. Um, I remember we played Sao Pauli, the reserves. <laughs> and I was so, I was so good and so fit the weeks before. Every training and even in the games when he put me on, I was performing. I was expecting to play that game and he just put me on the bench again. 2-0, halftime for Sao Pauli. We don't stand a chance. And I'm saying to... Did you play with Marcello Maya? No, no. He left when I came. He, you know, Marcello, a couple other boys, they've been uh, warming up with me. I said, if he doesn't sub me on until minutes uh, 75, I'm going to go there. And gonna tell him to put me on the field, and they were all like, "Ah, you're bullshitting. You're, you're not gonna do it." But I felt, you know, one of those days where you feel when you come on, you're gonna change the game. So, 75 minutes play, played, 2-0 still. They are very close to score the third one. I run to the bench. I take my my sweater off. 
And I tap my, my, the coach on the shoulder. He turns around, said, what's wrong? I said, put me on the field. I'm going to change that game. He was like, ah, like, you know, he, he just turned away again. I said, coach, put me on the field. I'm going to change that game. True story. You can ask the people who've been involved there. Um, he turns around for who? I said, put me as a striker. I'm going to score. We're going to draw or win that game. He turns around. He ignores me for like one minute. I just, I just keep warming up and I, and I just, I don't move. I stand next to him. He said, okay. He turns around. He says, okay, I come on. I have a very good start in, into the game. 90th minute, I make the assist for the 2-1. 93rd minute, I score the equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Oh, man. There's a picture I will send to you later. Everyone, everyone was running on the field, you know, to hack me. They didn't believe it, man. They That's crazy. You have a video of that? Amazing. Maybe amazing. I can find it. Maybe that I can. Is Maybe that I can. is amazing, though. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, you know how they record in Regionalliga. Yeah, you know, yeah. I may, but I can find it. Amazing. It's crazy. How about most difficult moment in football in your career? Oh, also so many, man. So many. Now something that pops up in my mind is uh, there were there were probably more actually in terms of pressure. La, last season with Udon Tani when we all, almost got relegated. Mm-hmm. Last game you go, yeah. you go inside the last last game. You know also you have to win, and one other team has to do you a favor and win against the direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Opponent, you know, who are just who are, have the same points as us. No, no they they were they've been one point ahead of us actually. So you have to do your homework. You have to win that game. So that was in terms of pressure, probably the most difficult mm. time. Yeah. Best advice you ever received? <laughs> Tough one too. Joga bonito. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think yeah. Don't what what I said before. Don't 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 uh, let. Don't let other people tell you what you can or can't do. Love that. Find out mm-hmm. by yourself. Ooh. How about favorite place you've lived? Melbourne. Love it. Melbourne. Favorite place to travel? Melbourne. <laughs> Asia, Asia in general, I think. Just, oh, cool. I, I would say, I, I liked, um, I liked El Nido, Philippines. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. How about if you weren't a footballer, what would you be? In the army. <laughs> Mander. When I was a child. I. <laughs> when I was a child, I always dreamed to be a bus driver. Man, I don't know why. When I was very. <laughs> respect. Respect. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. I don't. Bus driver in the army. Yeah. If I, if, yeah, I don't know. Really, <laughs> I really don't know. I, I could, I never imagined my future without football. Can mm-hmm. you imagine that? Mm-hmm. Mm. No. Favorite Thai food and or drink? 
Uh, Thai food, probably, probably Pad Thai. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big fan. How about yeah. favorite book? Alchemist. Yeah, I knew that right. one. Mm-hmm. Any quote that you live by? Just do it. Love that. Simple, simple awesome. and powerful. Yeah. yeah. Well, Arnold, thank you. That was a, a great conversation. I'm excited for the upcoming season for you. We'll see uh, what it comes and we'll have to have a part two maybe in a year from now. Sure. Thank you very much for having me. My first podcast, actually. I really enjoyed it. Did amazing, man. That was great. I was loving these stories. Yeah. Some crazy stories. I mean, just what a, what a what a career this far. And yeah, we're really excited to see what comes next, man. Thank awesome. you, guys. Thank you, Arnold. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands that make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork podcast where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine (laughs) 